This is Shane Ivey with Arc Dream Publishing. We are in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign for Delta Green The Labyrinth. Last week, I recorded a conversation with the creators of Delta Green, Dennis Deltweller, Adam Scott Glancy, and Labyrinth author John Scott Times. To help you tell who is whom, Dennis is the first to speak. Of the other two, John has the deepest voice. We're missing the first few minutes of the audio, so you get to come into it as unprepared as any Delta Green agent. Let's hope you can catch up before it's too late. Like, and I was like, I will write one a day, <laughs> continuously. And, and I, you know, I think there are you know 50 or 60 in the book, and each one's different. But they're all very small and very personal and very focused, usually. Yeah. Um, so it, it, your mind gets used to it. You just kind of think of like what would directly impinge on the agent's lives uh, in a very, very messed up way. Yeah. Shane didn't bring us bonds for no damn reason. Yeah, yeah we got, we got, we got, you, those are not just off-table effects for uh, for brushing off sand loss. Yeah, although it's also true. Like at this point in our lives, like personal horror is like the water heater's leaking. No. <laughs> That would depend on what it was leaking. <laughs> Henry ate four pounds of cherries and two pounds of blueberries. Oh! Very oh! <laughs> oh, it's Dennis. Coming. Storm is coming. Dennis, that is too much fruit. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to bust the pipes, man. Watch out. All right. So so we've talked about... Look at the threshold. It's a totally different type of horror, but it's still there. <laughs> Okay, so we've, been, we've talked a bit about, about sort of um, dialing the, the scope down in order to accentuate what the characters are, 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 uh, are experiencing, right? So just as a counterpoint, I have a question for, for a fan who's, who wants to know, um, who wants to talk about sort of the direction that Delta Green takes in broad strokes over the, over the years. Um, and... Well, one thing is to one question is to what extent does the labyrinth tie into the canon that's emerged from the handler's guide, and then more generally, uh, he wants to know: Can we expect extrapolative, epistemologically stable, or apocalyptic elements in the labyrinth in the style of Lovecraft and/or earlier Delta Green? Well, everyone knows my middle name is epistemologically stable, so that's a great place to start. Um, <laughs> are, are you an epistemologically stable genius? Totes, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, we're cutting it. Cutting video. Once you try to go, I'll stop drilling. That's it. <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, the first question is about uh, how much is Labyrinth going to connect to kind of the canonical timeline stuff in Delta Green. Uh, there's opportunities for that, for sure. Um, there's actually, as, as we've been discussing in an email thread recently, um, the, one of the organizations we're going to create is actually going to have its origins in one of Dennis's scenarios from a while back. Um, and we're going to sort of take that as sort of established uh, canon and project it forward to see what's going on today. Um, so stuff like that definitely is going to happen in the labyrinth. Um, but also a lot, a lot of it is, is new stuff, um, especially I'd say on the allies side or potential allies side where I'm kind of looking for um, things that are happening in the world, groups that are out there um, that seem like they'd be really relevant in investigation uh, or could be made relevant in a fun way. Um, and then I write those guys up and then figure out, okay, given this you know awesome group of helpful do-gooders, like how can Delta Green really fuck them up over time? 
Um, and that's kind of the focus <laughs> of that part of the book. Uh, I, the question around sort of like the, the content, the nature of it, I, I'd say like um, a, a big focus for me is on uh, finding ways to um, take things that are, are happening today that are really outside the beltway, that are not part of the whole military industrial espionage kind of stuff that we've, we've plumbed in great depth, um, but to find new areas to explore that are um, are more in, you know, other groups that are far and away from all that kind of stuff. Because um, we've, we've got that really well covered. We've got a lot going on already with March Technologies and, and the program and so forth. Um, and so I'm trying to find things that are like more like in the private sector, in the nonprofit sector, you know, people go to Davos and so forth and, and to see what really weird stuff can be going on out there. So that's kind of more where um, the focus lies, I'd say. So, though, just for the for the whole group here, um, do do you get the sense that, uh, or was this a deliberate thing or an unthinking thing that the uh, sort of the threats that we presented in the Handler's Guide and that we're, we're that, that John you're working on for the Labyrinth are, um, you know, are, do, do they feel like they're sort of less established or less stable than? The threats that were around that, that you that you wrote into so the 1990s books, you know, people. To me, let me just let me give my take on it. Then I want you guys to talk about it because to me it feels a lot like because those elements were in place and kind of written in stone for so long, right? Without a lot of new material shaping them, that 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 seems to give a lot of readers the sense that. You know, majestic was just this unchanging thing, you know, and that the Karatekia was this thing that was just that was, you know, that you were gonna that you that was just gonna be there, and um, and and that I never got that sense, but then I was kind of behind the scenes for a long time talking to you guys about everything and working on it. So um, Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about about that issue? I I can basically. I mean. Delft Green has always been a reflection of the time it was created in. Um, so the, the early 90s was a time of the, the idea that the government had its ship wired tight and was doing dark secret things behind the scenes and had all these incredible conspiracies that were somehow resist human nature. Um, but if you look around now, I'm not going to get very much into it, but I mean, it's it's pretty obvious whatever illusion that was has fallen away much of it, you know, along with much of the constitution. Um, but, uh, moving, moving on from there, uh, you know, the, the threats, uh, that I really wanted to portray in the handler's guide, um, not only does Delft Green can't really effectively feel the defense against them, they don't even understand what the threats really are. Um, so we, we talk about the Loigor, we talk about the great race of Yif. It's, it's totally beyond Delta Green's conception what either of these things are doing. Um, they'll show up and go, you know, this lizard thing showed up and we have to nuke it. And, Yay, we did it. You know, and the thing reforms 35 minutes later, you know, occurs cancer. <coughs> they have no idea what's going on. Um, so I, I think we're much more in the realm of uh, if Ken's fall of Delta Green is, um, you know, the shining city on the hill, we're going to make everything right. Uh, the 70s is, holy shit, it's a lot harder than we thought. The 80s are, we've made an alliance with spacemen. The future is going to work out. And the 90s is, holy shit, you know, kill them all. 
we're in we're in the like nothing is working what's going on just, we're just going to skip the 2000s altogether yeah um, yeah totally and the, the program the program is trying to reset to that shining city on the hill um that they're like fuck it we have the budget we have the manpower we're going to compartmentalize everything well just because everything we did before didn't work doesn't mean we can't make it work by doing it harder <laughs> With more money, this time it's totally going to work. I mean, that's 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 really where I went with with the Hamler Guide stuff. I did mm-hmm. was trying to kind of reflect the times we're in, which is holy shit! Don't tell the president anything. Don't you know? Like, it's it's way past that. Do the um, do, do the threats that we're talking about in the in the new game feel more? apocalyptic or less apocalyptic than the the old threats from the from the 90s or just different apocalyptic it's just a it's just a new series it's it's a slightly different set of fears we don't have the same fears that we had in the 90s we don't have the same fears that we had when lovecraft was was writing this stuff and the universe kept just no getting, italians yeah exactly <laughs> again the the Twisted foreigners with their weird religion, their polygot languages, their Poles, Irish, and, and, and Italians. For, oh, for, Howard. Uh, yeah, oh, Howie. But, um, and, and yet, strangely, you know, that shit is so horrifying to so many people, it turns out. Yeah, and uh, strangely enough, all you have to do is change the languages up a little bit, and suddenly everyone's scared all over again. That's right. But, but I'm thinking about stuff like, you know, the, the, the age of the Earth, the size of the universe, we just kept adding zeros to that, to that number during Lovecraft's lifetime. And we've gotten to a stage in our lives where, or on our civilization, where we can ignore that number. I mean, I don't think we ever really understand that number, how big the universe is, how old it is, how old the Earth is. I think we've just been able to go, yeah, trillion, zillion, whatever, Google Plex, it's fine. It's rare. And we just move on, you know, with the next thing. That's that kind of you know, total perspective vortex that you've got with some of Lovecraft's writing doesn't actually impact the public. It's more worried about what the Kardashians are up to these days. Um, you know, we're just going to have to go up with a different set of fears, and, and a lot of that's a lot of that's bringing it in nice and personal, uh, right in the player's laps. Um, as far as the idea that Majestic, all the stuff from the first Delta Green book were eternal, and you know could not be shifted i mean it's also watching the karateke very explicitly said in there here's something for you to chew on to get your leg you know to to, to mm-hmm. practice on cult busting with the the karateke so you can take on something bigger like majestic here's an organization that could burn out and be shown to be an example of what happens if you're not discreet enough as delta green i felt like we always had as part of this thing that these organizations are smashable they are breakable they're not intended to be, you know, there's nothing worse than, um, you know, uh, the 97th time that Justin Crawford's gone, ha, 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 gets into the escape pod and medicine, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, gosh, he, he just got away. And it's like, it's like watching Hitler jump out the window on, um, what was that, New Zealand or Australian TV show? Where every week they would and 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 as always kill Hitler. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no. It was it was done the style of the Thunderbirds. Oh, they even used all these models and miniatures. Oh. Um, and it was sort of like a, it was sort of like that. And I cannot. I'll, 
I'll figure it out in a minute, but it was, it was this amazing uh, TV show where it was like set in the 60s, everything was very fab, you know, and, but World War II was ongoing. Every week they would end with, you know, kill Hitler, and every week, every week Hitler would jump out a window, they'd shoot some bullets after him, and then just kind of go, huh, he got away. Like, that was, like, come on, running down the hill, and like, nope, nope, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. We can't do that. We just can't have the bad guy get away uh, no matter how well the players have their shit wired together and then expect them that they want to re-engage with this yeah. story again uh, after being frustrated like that. Now, I'll admit, Artifact Zero is an exception to that rule, and that is there to tell people that the universe is bigger than you could ever imagine. You know, But you've got to mix some of that You've got to mix, you know, uh, achievable goals yeah. in there, even when it's still it's green. Even if it's, ha, we sure shot that guy and dissolved him in acid and buried the leftover gumbo in the woods. Yeah, you guys, you know. Well, I mean, like as far as like solutions go, I've seen, you know, there's been great ones. The Artifact Zero one was one of the teams was like, fucking every piece of metal. We're just getting every piece of metal. We're all putting on. You know, Faraday cages, we're all going to take a, a, a nice, wonderful voltage and collect all the metal from the, that anyone could have, t and it was like tons of stuff, and it took them months. The other one was, uh, the Spooner Avenue, the haunted house music from a darkened room. They bought the house. They're like, they're like, okay, what, what, what do we got? They bought, and they, I know that not, not answering it. The house remains empty. These are solutions, you know, like they're not the standard. Let's go cut someone's head off or bury them or shoot the person. Before. Look, it's it's the house from up. Just tie a bunch of balloons to it. You know, somebody, else, somebody else's problem. Right. It's gonna go to around. South America now. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I just ran across that solution in um, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency where <laughs> yeah. the house has the other dimension and they're just like, it's up and there's a yeah. fence around it and a no trespassing sign, done. Totally <laughs> works. Mission accomplished. Um, the, other, the other big thing I'll say on, on that front is the theme of the new Delta Green that we, we set out to build was be careful what you wish for. Um, Delta Green, the program, is majestic. Like, no doubt, it is just, oh my god! So you can still be one of the cowboys and do all your crazy shit with meth money and run around, you know, basically doing illegal stuff. Or you can, you know, I need an Osprey here, stat. No problem, we'll get that, sure, you, you know, and you'll die horribly anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but now, you'll but, get there conveniently. Yeah, but, but, now you've, but now you've got an exploded Osprey to cover up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, training accident. Well, yeah. if you're lucky, you die in the explosion and don't have to worry about it. That's a problem for tomorrow's Delta Green team. <laughs> I'm part of the solution. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So, so uh, let's see. How about? Okay, these are one of these is really specific. Somebody wants to know what you think about the uh, the AATIP program and how. How would how would you integrate it or use it in a game? That's the the the, the UFO program that it turned out Harry Reid was funding to the tune of twenty million dollars oh, a few months actually, ago and all that nonsense. Actually, I, know, I know a ton about this. Yeah, um, I researched it. Uh, this is the guy from Blink One Eighty Two. He's mm -hmm. running a private uh, a non a nonprofit company that is literally the ultimate scam. It is it is send us money 
contribute to the UFO research project. And all he needs to do is dump a half dozen files onto the internet once every 16 months um, to kind of keep people really interested. They're like, oh yeah, here's a Navy aircraft with a FLIR camera chasing UFO over the China Sea. And uh, when you do some research, you realize those FLIR cameras have an error rate uh, of one in 200, and there are two and a half thousand hornets with them. Um, so what's the percentage of these tracking targets? Well, that's interesting. It's almost exactly that number. <laughs> and it always stays in the gimbal lock of the aircraft, and it always turns with the camera perfectly. And they're going, wow, look at that at night. They never see it visually during the day. Um, and then this guy from Blink-182 is, you know, making, you know, 50, 60 million dollars cashing these videos in by working with government contacts going, you got anything? Can you, can you give me a video? Can you give me like, you know, declassified documents? And then we'll be able to boost. It's basically Kickstarter for a scam about federal government seeing UFO. So isn't that, isn't that kind of redundant Kickstarter for a scam? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I love the idea that an ex rock and roll drummer is like, you know, would be the ultimate money making scheme in search of, right. You just give us money and occasionally some <laughs> government contact drops out a really vaguely worded file talking about anomalous radar targets over the China Sea. Yeah. And then we're rich. <laughs> well, it's, it's, he's a drummer. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> well, John, it's not like he's a bassist. Come on. Well, yeah, okay, that's fair. Well, so, just, but, that, but that's, that, that's, that's a fun thing. But so, like, all right, I mean, like, this is our job, right? So how do we turn that into a Delta Green thing? Like, is he raising money for some other purpose entirely? Or are, is the point of these things because there are some real videos that are going to be coming out sometime and WikiLeaks gets around to it, and the point is to discredit it by throwing a bunch of chaff out first? Like, eh, there's going to be something we can do with this. Well, we, we had joked about um, an entire wing of the program that does nothing but upload fake YouTube videos yeah uh, where it's like you know the Viaki thing <laughs> occurs in Denmark and there's a video of this thing and then they're like okay give me the CG kid from the art college we're gonna do our own Viaki video and then we're gonna show how we made it and then we're gonna offer our services and we're gonna imply we're we're with those guys and just put that on YouTube well, yeah, you're the one who, who originally put it out the faking hoaxer wasn't it uh, oh yeah it's amazing I, I don't know if you guys John have you seen the faking hoaxer on YouTube no so back in 2003, 2004, this guy would produce videos that were completely photorealistically real, like uh, the destruction of the space shuttle in orbit was one. Um, and it, I mean, full on swear it was a real video. And the other one crashed Air Force One in Texas. And you know, it's, it's news footage with like streaming text. If you look up the faking hoaxer, I recommend everybody it on you. It's fantastic stuff. And he's like, I did this with like After Effect, mm -hmm. like a week. Yeah. You know, I'm just I'm fooling around with it. It's not even really. Right. It's not my day job. Well, you and, know, and it was totally convincing. The idea of using it as a way to just again continue to to create more disinformation. So once again, the program is majestic, uh, covering up real things. Um, my thought is is how to spin this in a way. It would be um, like all those uh, private sector contractors who materialized after 9-11 looking for some of that defense budget money, uh, imagining some ex-Delta Green guys who are burned out who just decide they're going to uh, somehow 
maybe by collecting old green block, old green box contents that were never really, you know, cataloged or written down anywhere. Um, they're going to take this stuff and keep using it as, as evidence that, oh, we've killed this many, you know, horrible mythos things. We need a check. Right. And, you know, going to the program and tapping them for money and delivering the contents of old green boxes as proof that they are breaking into these things and causing damage to the, the unnatural and, you know, <coughs> just, you know, dipping their spoon into that trough. Um, yeah, that, that, that could be a very special episode of Storage Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's see what's in here. Oh, my $5,000. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay you five thousand dollars to close it and never open it again. Yeah, all those green boxes turn up, and it's an entire season of storage wars. that will bid on it. Guy in a black suit, like I would like to bid one million dollars. How do you pronounce this, Chagner Foggin? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, never mind. Okay, so awesome. I, have, I have another fan question here. Okay. Uh, how do you keep track of? Uh, consistency. Uh, the, the the writer says, I find my main issue when I make a world. With, uh, I find that is my main interest I- issue when I make a world, which is a collection of stuff from different sources. We fail all the time. That's that true. Answer? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. fail all the time at that. Um, we, we 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 have a, we we have the advantage mm-hmm. of having um, fans who are really dedicated and keep track of that stuff and like you know. <laughs> Like there's a gigantic spreadsheet. We love that, you, fam. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was Gil that put it together or somebody else. I don't remember, but this big Excel spreadsheet or Google Sheets thing that that listed like every Delta Green agent mentioned in any book ever, you know, and and had a, a thing for their code name, their real name, what cell they were associated with, where they oh, showed up, useful. what. You, oh yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> So I yeah, no, I mind. Yeah, I mind the hell out of that when we were working on the handlers guy. We totally do that. <laughs> yeah, somebody should have thought to put we, that together. Yeah, we used a ton of that. What we should do is we should pay Gil for that. Is what we should do. <laughs> let's let's not get distracted here. <laughs> Don't talk about money. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's uh, you know like. We've done a lot with Delta Green over the years, and it is uh, there's a lot to keep track of, frankly. Um, but I think the main thing that we do is we just talk to each other about stuff. I mean, you know, as we're working on things, because I've already found it very helpful when you know Dennis or Shane have popped up to say, "Hey, actually, I did that in this one scenario." And so, I mean, I think that's we really kind of rely on our collective knowledge, the four of us and, and beyond, um, to make sure we don't do anything dramatically stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of dramatically stupid, I'm working on uh, I'm working on the Haster uh, campaign book, and you know, I occasionally ping John to ask him really leading questions to to, to co-opt his his wonderful writing in in particular directions. But the real upside there is I can literally do anything because it's all very surreal anyway, right? And it, yeah, it all just kind of reset. But but yeah, no, I mean I I. When I write, I'm often looking at older stories or older scenarios by Scott or John and and going like, okay, you know, what's this cool little... Mo-? Sometimes I'll read like Emergence uh, and there was this... The whole uh, co-opted town thing felt really good, but it felt... To me, it felt like a side thing to the the confrontation at the end. You know, I really like the, the towns 
leaders in the bathtub kind of scary bit. And then, um, but I was like, I want to make a haunted on that, looking at it and kind of trying to expand that into a bigger thing. And that, that led to another scenario, but it, it, it's really nice looking at the older work, um, or looking at past work and trying to drum up ideas of your own based on uh, the other people in the partnerships work. Yeah, I mean, play testing is is really really useful for that as well because um, a lot of a lot of the people that that enthusiastically sign on to do play testing for new material um, are are gung ho. And if there's something that we miss, then when you farm it out to a couple of dozen playtest GMs who are that enthusiastic, one of them is probably going to catch it. And um, so it's, yeah, I mean, so yeah, so it's, it's so it, there's, no, there's no one straight answer, right? It's just be as familiar as you can with the material you're working from and work with people who are passionate about it and get help. And when it fails, oh. then then ex- then explain it away with some bullshit twenty years later. <laughs> Blame it on this. <laughs> nice. It was all Hastur. <laughs> um, all right. So okay. So this is I mean this is one that we've talked about at different points before. But uh, the, uh, a writer wa- a reader wants to know are there specific people that you run material by to make sure all of the newest technical military terms and slang are correct? Is there someone in the team with that kind of experience? Or if not, what's the process like? Uh, I've played Delta Green with several people in the past who are military, and they all said it's spot on. So go us. Well, um, I will say that there are two people I ping every time. One, I won't mention by name. One is an NCIS officer in Japan. One is a Marine major who lived on the border of North and South Korea for a while, basically picking targets in simulated war games and uh, fought in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, besides him steering me, give me a bum steer by wanting to modify the army right up, calling it all bullshit. And <laughs> the, 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 the Marines, they're fucking pussies. You got to write this shit. They're terrible. Marines need 10 more pages. Uh, Besides that, you know, all their input has been really good um, and they've been super helpful because they've been like ground zero for the post 9-11 intelligence world we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of them have been involved in ground wars in the Middle East. So um, I know you have another guy, Shane. Yeah, yeah. We, we've sort of cultivated um, friendships with subject matter experts who are also Delta Green fans, which is which is humongously useful. And this has come up in, in I remember I think last year, somebody was asking a, a version of this question at the Gen Con panel, and I said something like, well, for extremophilia, I just got in touch with uh, Graham, a friend of ours from way back, who's a, who's a uh, virologist and microbiologist, and ran it by him. And everybody was like, oh, of course, I'll just run it by my microbiologist friend. <laughs> but um, you know, we, we, with with observer effect, you know, we had I have a, a, a an old uh, old buddy who's um, who's a big fan of the material, who's a uh, who's an astrophysicist, right? So that that was all about me sort of taking some interesting, fun news things and making them scary and shitty, and so I had to run it by him to make sure that the science was sort of as close as I could get it. Right, with it still. I mean, it's science fiction, so eventually it's going to fall apart if you look at it too closely. But you want it to be as close as you can. So, um, 
Yeah, and and we've 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 got other people that we know who have a lot of background in in intelligence and diplomacy and I don't know. You just sort of you make these contacts doing this kind of work over the years, right? That's a lot of it. Um, yeah. Those folks <clears throat> were attracted to the material, and certainly we did a pretty good job of just hitting the books behind us. Yeah. And, uh, to, to get as much of those details as possible. Certainly, you know, Robert McLaughlin was very helpful in the first book. Um, you know, but uh, at that point, we got people turning up who were interested in the in the, in the material mm-hmm. uh, from those area specialties. And they are, they usually, I've never had anybody turn up and just spit blood at us about how it's all wrong or mm-hmm. a bunch of fucking posers. Everybody who's ever turned up has turned up and said, this will sound even cooler if you get this one detail right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happened with um, uh, Countdown. When we had to do the material on England, the manuscript went off to all the English fans, and they were just like, yeah, these words do not exist in English. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as an emergency room. There's no such thing as a surgeon who's a doctor. You know, there's all this stuff, all these little minor, tiny, fiddly little details, right. but all they do is pull you out of the... Uh, Suspension of disbelief. There's no Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's all Taco Bell. Let's see how it turns out. The national cuisine of England, Taco Bell. <laughs> but uh, that's the end. Find... The end of the fast food wars, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Is that before or after we get the 61st Amendment? Because I'm, I'm not <laughs> I need to know when we're going to get to the 61st Amendment. Um, but yeah, with the. Um, with the new game, I spent a lot of time going back and forth with um, with uh, with uh, Scott, your friend um, Gene, mm-hmm. who's uh, who's a um, who's a counselor, a psychotherapist who's worked with the VA for ages and ages, um, treating veterans and treating PTSD. And oh, so, exactly. So so when when I needed, you know, I mean, I had done an awful lot of research before I talked to her because I really hate wasting people's time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of got it as right as I could get it before I talked to her. And then then I talked to her a lot and went back and forth, and she was invaluable in sort of helping to tweak the material in the home scene rules and in bonds and how bonds interact with, with the sanity. And so and that was really, really useful for all the things in those rules that work, right? Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, you just sort of you just sort of cultivate those contacts and uh, and and use them. And you know, we we've kind of been lucky because we've we've got a we, we've had a lot of contact with people who like what we did already enough to spend time helping us do it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was writing uh, the rules of engagement, there's a, a sequence set on uh, Bucas Island in Puerto Rico. Um, and I found just some random guy on the internet who had taken his family on vacation there like a few months before and it posted like, my, my vacation photos. And so I just wrote to him and was like, Hey, I'm a writer. Can I ask you some questions? And so, and he was, he was happy to help. So I was able to ask him a bunch of questions that were mostly just about like the experience of like driving around and what it looks like and that kind of just like everyday kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. that really helped, you know, just being able to reach out to, Random person and uh, and ask those questions really help to ground the materials to resolve. That's awesome. Yeah, and and don't be afraid of Wikipedia because as oh, as, well. as as limited. Take it with a grain of salt. No, as, well that was that was the other half of that. Is as limited as that is as a resource as a research resource. It's a mm-hmm. great place to start. 
You just have to sort of be aware that if you're going to use that as a source of making an assertion, find other sources for it. And you're, you're, you know, you're only one internet jump to Obama being raised as a child slave on Mars. <laughs> right. From Wikipedia. I know because I've taken that jump by accident. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that I've gotten to that from, you know, from my Facebook page. So I don't think <laughs> yeah. that it's not like Wikipedia just funnels us into the alien child on Mars thing. I think I, that comes across my phone at least three times a day. <laughs> it's, it's from your uncle, right? Yeah. yeah. So what I'm telling you. Because um, it's, it's still pertinent. It's still yeah. pertinent. Uh, still going on, Scott. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's still from Mars. Yeah. <laughs> He's still from Mars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all the windsurfing, all that Martian windsurfing. <laughs> All right, so uh, Dennis, this is this is mainly for you because, uh, but but uh, so so one of the reader, one of the gamers wants to know why why the change of magic to hypergeometry? Like why did why did we uh, why did we decide to stick with that as the phrase? Uh, we get paid by the syllable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it sounded cool. No, it was um, it was mostly. Uh, um, with the Roswell work, uh, Scott and John and I had done on Roswell and the weird math and the, the whole kind of, it bends your brain and snaps you in two. And uh, some humans can kind of understand it for short periods and then they end up crushed beneath the gravity sigil. Um, I, I, I definitely wanted the program to feel like research way. So... You know, calling it hypergeometry creates the illusion that it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. So like when when you know, I believe we we called the Great Race of the F like a, a non-repeating thought tesseract, and the program there's a section there's a section in there literally going like here are some wonderful physics types words to you know to throw on top of the mythos um, to make it seem like your case officer has his shit wired tight, and we can totally handle these. You know, uh, non-Euclidean thought entities from the nth dimension. Don't say demons. Uh, oh my God! Run, run, run! That's you know, that's, that's the outlaws. <laughs> if, you, if you say demon, then people will think you're crazy. <laughs> right. Children yeah. use words like that. We use. So the, the, the most recent thing I wrote uh, for the Patreon was something called the uh, S brain entities, and the brain is this. In string theory, the brain is this kind of interwoven reality of dimensions and i like the idea yeah so you know they're demons they're literally like the classical definition of a demon an outside intelligence is trying to kind of affect the physical world um so you know uh we we, we created it just to kind of give it an official brand um and you know in all honesty humans will always try and box something and put it into words they can understand uh, even though it's not accurate. One, one of the things I want to do with um, with Deep State when I start really digging into that is is uh, probably go back to some of those experts that we were that we were, that we were talking to and get some help in creating um, you know big roll a D100 table of mix and match pseudoscientific terms you know <laughs> to, to apply to your your uh, your monster or your spell. Sounds cool. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, okay. So, what did we hope to do with the new edition that we haven't been able to do yet? Retire. <laughs> <laughs> you know that whole Kylie Jenner. Let's make her a billionaire. Right. You can make us a billionaire first, right. just to show Kylie that, <laughs> that she's not that great. Um, no, it, 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 would, it, it uh, needs you know, it for, needs for it needs to be probably was, two uh, or three billion because we're all a little bit older than her. Yeah, and there's more yeah, of us than there are two her. Two billions, so we're better so, than Kylie. Yeah. Um, no, the um, the the big thing for me was um, we had to fit all the monster rules, all the game rules, all the history, all the great old ones, all the magic, and then someone's like, "Where are all the adversaries?" And I'm like. Why don't you come over here and say that? But you know, the, what I would have loved to do is honestly go you know, the new Loigor section here is the new Great Race section here. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that yeah. uh, in the book, but literally the book we had to split it into two books, or we would have gone bankrupt shipping it. Right. Um, so, well, we got to publish something next year. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I and that was that was. Takeaway is I, w I wish we could have had, you know, more adversaries in there, but at the same time, I'm glad we had things like rules instead. <laughs> got to be its own game. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that was on that was that was part of the plan early on was okay, and we're going to have the whatever the 12 page chapter on the great race as yeah. as a uh, as a threat. And that then there were all the other threats, and then that was like a hundred pages of material, and then the book was already going to be almost four hundred pages long, and you know at some point, for God's sake, you, you need to you need to quit. You need to publish. Yeah, at yeah, some point you need to publish, publish what you have and save the other four hundred pages for for later. Yeah. Anything else? Is there anything else uh, going on that we that you that you sort of wish any of you wish we had done more with, and that we're we're going to need to later? Aside from, of course, John is now building an entire book full of nothing but threats to deal with those stupid people. Yeah. I mean, well, beloved fans. I mean, we're just going to keep anything that we didn't anything that didn't get into. It's just going to get into the next book and the next book and the next book. We'll, we'll be fine. I'm not yeah. worried about what didn't get into the first book. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree, and I mean, you know, like, there's there's stuff that we can all imagine that we're working on in some cases where, like, you know, talking about different styles of campaigns, for example, like, do you want more, like, surreal horror, do you want more, like, you know, law enforcement investigation and forensics kind of stuff, like, there's different kind of styles like that you can do, and it would be great to, like, support those things, you know, talk about them, explain what to do, and what creatures to use, and that kind of thing. But we're doing that instead through books like, I mean, like, like Dennis's Haster stuff or, or My Labyrinth or whatever else. We, or, or Deep State, we're going to go more on the, you know, Beltway kind of espionage sort of stuff. So we're going to get there. We're going to do all these things in different ways. Um, and they're just, it's just not feasible because like in Delta Green, we've got a real history of treating things with a lot of depth, a lot of seriousness. And we can't just throw in like three paragraphs on Haster and Paul Kidd, right? Like you really. That's not really our style, boys. So um, we really have to kind of go deeper on this stuff and spend the time to think through it and work it out. But when we do, then, I mean, like, Delta Green's been around for, like, 25 years now. Like, you know, like, when you make a big investment up front, then people have a lot of runway. And they can really just run with stuff and use it for years and years and years and years. And years. So I think that's kind of more of our approach. Mm -hmm. 
I've, I've, I had uh, occasionally I've had people say something like, you know, geez, I really wish you hadn't just completely exploded um, the fate, say, in, in the, you know. And, and my, I, when I answered, I answered that the other day, and it actually people kind of got a kick out of it because my attitude is, you've had 20-something years to, exp- to, to, to fight the fate, you know. If you hadn't fought oh, the fate by now, that's kind of on you. It's like, I think I've had this argument with my children eating dinner. Yeah. Sitting here for two hours, you know, you're not getting that. Give me that. The only thing more infuriating than hearing that about the fate would be the Karatekia. You were supposed <laughs> to stomp the Karatekia like a narc at a biker rally. That's what they were there for. Right. And then being so. that, oh, I missed it. You didn't miss shit. Why don't you just game out the destruction of the Karatekia? Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't I don't get that part where it's like, you know, we killed it off, so I can't kill it at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can kill it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely well, kill it at home. The other the other the other big thing is like, well then they're not dead. It's it's like magic. Like it's your you campaign. campaign. This is it's this is game. what alternate timelines are for. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can do the darkest timeline in your campaign where they're all still alive. Like, they're all there. <laughs> and, and eventually Donald Trump was elected president. <laughs> that's never going to happen. I know. That's so ridiculous. That's ridiculous. He said from I was, I was talking with Peter Strzok uh, on text message, and he says it's never going to happen either. Oh, yeah. He says yeah, we're gonna... 100 million to one. The American people won't let this happen. No, we're going to have the Martian windsurfer for life. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, He'll just think it's a windsurfing spot. It's just, <laughs> just a foil he extends to a mating ritual. It's a membrane. Yeah. It's a membrane. Yeah. So, yeah, so future... Well, uh, gentlemen, I, I need to go pretty soon. I've got, yeah. uh, I've got dinner cooking. I need to find Yeah, let's it. do Okay, so... so... Uh, is there any, any final uh, labyrinth-specific stuff we can address real quick? Um, let's see, what have we talked about? We've talked about kind of the impetus behind it. We, we've talked a little bit. We, we don't really want to talk in too much detail about what's going to be in it, right? Because you're, you're going you're gonna to show that to people. Um, the, not not uh, to mention it keeps getting more horrible each draft. Right. <laughs> let's, just, yeah. let's just say that right up front. The first draft was, ooh, and then the second draft was, John, do you need to talk to someone? <laughs> <laughs> And the, share with us, John? the third draft was Child Protective Services. Hello. <laughs> it's getting it's getting worse each each draft, John. Well, it's, you know, I was a little rusty. It took some time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't just go for the atrocity right out of the gate. No, no, no. No, no I mean, actually, that that is. I mean, there's a thing I've been thinking about is that uh, you know, when when we work on this kind of stuff, like the source material kind of stuff, like it's important to be really clear about things, kind of explain up front, like here's the deal, here's what's going on, here's the characters, here's the agenda. Like like it's very dry in some ways. Um, but one thing I'm trying to do in this in these chapters is um, to hold just like a few little nuggets back that I can kind of foreshadow and build to so that when the handler is reading it for the first time, like they see all the stuff, it's very clear, and they understand, oh yeah, okay, these guys are like this and so forth. But then there's gonna be a point in each chapter, hopefully, where I'm just gonna like turn the knob until they realize like, oh fuck, this pile of boiling water is really hot. And they're gonna have the experience of like being horrified and being like, oh my God, and I, and I want that. Like, I want to create that moment for the handler on the first read-through. 
so that even though they feel like they got the whole picture, they understand, it's not confusing, it's a lot of material to work with, but they will get to have that moment where they really get, you know, horrified, like the floor comes off from under them. Because I want them to have that emotional experience just reading it, so that then they can translate that emotional experience to the players at the table and give them the same moment of, of that, that, like, that horrible realization. So it's definitely like an intent with the way I'm writing this stuff. Cool. Yeah, very good. Dennis, do you want to talk say anything about the next big stretch goal that we're going to hit when, as soon as the next we're going to promote when the next one comes up? Or do we want to uh, do we want or do you want to keep be cagey and save that? I think we should be cagey, but uh, it's uh, close. So yeah, it is close. Very far off, keeps closing the distance. Yeah, yeah. So all yeah, right, we're at uh, fifty-three thousand nine hundred and three right now. It's awesome. Yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. So another. Thank you so much, fans. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And John, good work and congratulations. And this is uh, this has been very cool. And I guess okay. So we'll let Scott get back to writing Iconoclast, right, Scott? Yes, sir. And, uh, and let me then, let me just say that the uh, writing for Iconoclast dovetailed off into an excruciatingly detailed look into the first battle of Mosul. <laughs> that was the first, um, of course, uh, it the, did. Well. The players are going to have to go to Mosul, Iraq, while it's still under ISIS control. And I had, I wanted to get into it, and I'm afraid I did this. I got into it. So if there was an airstrike on this date, on this location, I wanted to know where it was. So if the players happened to be there, or at least, you know, there'd be that moment where, you know, some building or whatever gets hit and the city goes into a panic because there's been an airstrike that the players have that kind of, I don't know, that, that, that experience of that being in a city under siege. Um, right. And it's a weird siege. The first six months of the siege are this very slow tightening of the noose. And then from October to December, it's just, you know, it, all this moaning and whining that people made during that time period about how, oh, they're not doing anything. And it's all so slow. And if I was in charge, I'd fix those ISIS guys. Man, the Iraqis and the Kurds did nothing wrong. Man, they really, um, they really got their shit together. I mean, it helps to, you know, the uh, Kurds force was helping them out. But yeah, they, um, they did not do those, they did not do the boys from ISIL or ISIS or Islamic State any favors during this campaign. It was, it's been, it's been a huge chunk of this research. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, It'll be presented in such a way that the players will find it useful for gaming and not a bunch of history. Hey, a little bit, a little bit of both. My yeah. Well, it's it's mostly a timeline. It's mostly a timeline. So as the players are there, they will see what's happening on in the theater while they're there, so that it will affect what they're doing. Cool. You know, it's uh, it's one thing to break into an ISIS, you know, uh, records keeping building. It's another thing to do it if there's been an airstrike on the city. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Right. Can you give us a sidebar about where they frag for Aldo Rivera? Is that possible? <laughs> Sadly, that is not an option that I have. I have found a way to work into the story. It's box text. You know, frag <laughs> for Aldo Rivera. You're a crowd pleaser, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are going to get a crash course in uh, all the different agencies that are part of Islamic State's internal security forces because. <laughs> the players are going to be carrying those IDs. Don't you, don't you worry about it. They're going to get to stomp around with uh, identity identification, showing them to be uh, members of the various parts of the uh, ISIS security apparatus. That's awesome. Um, cool. Yeah. So, Dennis, what are you working on right now that you can talk about? 
I'm in the midst of impossible landscapes. Uh, so um, uh, that that is it's five link scenarios start at the night floors as the intro scenario or reverses. So that's the second scenario you go in uh, and ends with, oh, by the way, there's a country called Carcosa and it's always been here and we can get airplane tickets. It's on Google. Mm -hmm. we, right. we, we need to go um, while being hunted by Delta Green. So it begins with Abigail vanishing into the night floors to Carcosa and you kind of consistently finding your way to track her all the way to Carcosa. Um, and it involves a lot of uh, John's wonderful with Brad Alvin and JC and all these other cool characters. But the, uh, the big twist I've run twice now, which is fantastic, ask Ross about it, um, is that in the second scenario, they go to um, a psychiatric facility that has the leftovers of the agents from Night Floors who have been there for 15 years in isolation. They've all lost their minds and they've vanished. So you're there to locate them. And midway through the scenario, it's revealed you are those patients. Uh, and and that, that this whole Delta Green delusion is just no good and we can't do this anymore. Uh, we're gonna have to up your dosage. And so, um, yeah, and that, that that has been run twice and both times, like Ross literally got up and left the table. He was like, this no, is not I, good. This is I, like, I, I gotta go. I'm a Delta Green agent. I have a character sheet that says Delta Green. <laughs> on it. Exactly the response. And it was like, Okay, um, I'm in the midst of that. I'm about, uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be about 100K words. I'm about, I'm in the 80s now, so it's, it's wrapping up. Um, it'll be play testable fully for people who are not me uh, shortly. <laughs> but it, it's quite fun. And um, I'll, I'm gonna drop it by John because one section takes place or can take place in the broad album. Uh, so, That's great. You can visit it. You, you, yeah, you don't they're, want to. They're big on toast there. It'll be great. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, and uh, well, the only other, yeah, um, uh, you, you get a sat phone, and the sat phone um, is, is to talk to the group, and it's a giant 1990 sat phone. And if you crack it open, if you crack it open after talking for hours with the voice on the other end, if you crack it open, it's filled with dirt. Um, and and in the center of the dirt is a little jar bug on a, on a you know if you eat this bug you can do things but basically it's made by a company called Sear uh, and if you look up Sear Inc online it's actually uh, the only place you'll find it is 40 pages in on a Google search is a PDF called um, uh, Psychiatrics in the Workplace and Sear is the example company used in all the examples Sear Inc. Uh, Abigail W. claims to have gone overseas and married a king. She's acting very strange. Do you report her to HR? Do you, like, it's it's that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's these ever-turning loops of craziness that go on in the, the campaign that, that get tighter and tighter and weirder and weirder, so. That's awesome. Yeah, very fun. And Shane, what are you up to? Oh, gosh. Um, the... Uh... Lay, laying low in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 For, the ne for the next yeah. couple of days, anyway. Right. Yeah. Now, my my big um, my big writing writing research thing is is is, uh, is deep state right now, which um, I'm still. I mean, I've there's I've been writing for it for the last couple of years, but it's very inchoate still. So it's kind of in progress. 
But um, but the whole point of that is to kind of take the material. Take, take, that that's where that's where I want to really explore what it's what it's like living in the shadow of March Technologies and all of these kind of um, elements of the Majestic program that Delta Green was very satisfied with itself for screwing with in the early 2000s, um, which ultimately just amounted to, you know, you stomp on one cockroach and all the other cockroaches go to other shadows. Um, you haven't exactly my, killed the cockroaches. My wife had this experience of stamping on a spider, uh-huh. and it was one of those spiders that had all its babies on its back, uh-huh. and they all just blew out. <laughs> yeah. Like it was in her bed or something, and she's like, well, I'm sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. That's what I think of every time I think, we've got majestic. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You just, you just lie down in that bed and go to sleep. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah, yeah. That, that That's kind of what we were going for in the handler's guide is to convey that sense of, you know, these guys aren't dummies. You know, if if, if, if you if you came in and, and did a hostile takeover of their steering committee, to some extent that's because the guys that were already there wanted a hostile takeover to happen, and they'd been planning for that for years. And so they were happy to cooperate with you and say, here are the keys. You, you run the show now. You're totally in charge of everything. And oh, wait, do you need something? Yeah. It looks like you need something. <laughs> right. You know. So let's talk about budgets. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, so that, that's the book where, where, where we want to kind of do a deep dive on, on yeah. what that world looks like and what the, you know, what, what's, what's, how have things kind of evolved and warped and twisted, um, not to the player character's, uh, advantage in, over the years that right. Delta Green has, 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 um, sort of been in charge of what's left of Majestic. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like the guy that took over for Hitler, right? Your job is to surrender. What? <laughs> so. I had some really good ideas. I, I remember that. that Mitchell and Webb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I don't love anyone who can actually to go and do a Canaris joke. <laughs> <laughs> a sketch about Canaris. That's quality work. That takes that takes some guts. Like, I'm so excited, honey. I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> what? Of course they were going to give it to me when it was everything was going great. But you know, (laughs) hail me, right? (laughs) You know, who's going to be a Gen Con? I'm going to be there. Shane's going to be there. Scott, Tynes. Oh, <laughs> let's let's see when the when the book comes out. Maybe next year. Yeah, next year that'd be awesome. Well, you'll you'll need to collect your any. (laughs) Yeah, could be. (laughs) That's right. You should be there. Yes. There we go. All right, guys. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, well, thank you for taking the time. And yep. uh, and I will, we will talk to everybody very, very soon. Thank awesome. Thank you, Discord, and, for being so intuitive. Totally. <laughs> thank you, Discord. And, oh. and Dennis, Dennis, you should thank G.I. Joe for his beard. <laughs> yeah. All he needs now is the yeah. star. That, that I'm the Reed Richards thing going on here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's good. It's classic. I'm just awesome. ripping off brands left and right. <laughs> You'll commit Fantastic. to one soon. All right, I'll guys. See you, see you later. Bye. See you soon, yeah.